What's going on, fam? Tavares here from the Golly Dating 101 podcast. And as you guys are listening right now, Safa and I are celebrating year five. December 10th makes five years being married, happily married. Thank God for this journey. But we had to get a little time away, you know, get off of this app. Um, so thankfully, I had a podcast interview that I saved for you guys. A great time I had with Andy Andrew. My first time getting a chance to meet with her. Um, great voice, great leader. Has a great great book that talks about friendship. Um, and I think a lot of us need to understand that because a lot of times we are either terrible friends or we have the wrong influences in our life. Um, so I think this episode would be so beneficial to you guys. But before I let you guys jump straight into this podcast, I want to give a special shout out to our sponsors for today's episode, which is BetterHelp. BetterHelp is a resource that I'm telling you guys about because I believe as believers, we don't always prioritize our mental health. We simply shout around things rather than sometimes addressing it as needed. But BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You'll be able to connect in a safe and private online environment. You have a counselor that can be contacted at any point in time. And also you can set up either video or phone calls. So if you're someone listening right now, you're facing depression, anxiety, anger, whatever whatever it is that you're just struggling with and you need a friend, you need someone to listen to, you need a professional, they are there to assist you. And in fact, many people have been using BetterHelp, so they have recruited additional counselors in all 50 states. So if you're feeling burdened down, I want you all to enjoy a more blessed and stress-free life. As one of our listeners, you get 10% off the first month by visiting betterhelp.com godly. Join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health. Again, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash godly. So I love you guys. You guys know how when people, you know, it's their birthday, they put like their cash app. Listen, we ain't doing none of that. It's our anniversary. But a great, great thing to do to celebrate five years is to go ahead and click the link in our description and buy five T-shirts. Yeah, that'd be great. You know, just a suggestion. Love y'all. See y'all next week. Peace. All right, guys, we are blessed to have a special guest in the house, lady, pastor, speaker, author, all of the above, Andy Andrew. Welcome to the podcast. We appreciate you for coming on. So good to be here. You forgot to say I was a really good dancer as well, though. You forgot that part. Um, anything else? Um, um, macaroni fan, what is it? <laughs> uh, I'm a really good dancer, and especially at weddings. You should see me. I'm great. <laughs> guys, do not give her anything to drink. We do not want to see the legendary <laughs> moves. Uh, but thank you for joining us. We appreciate the opportunity. Um, definitely a privilege, you know, to get connected with you. Andy is an author. Um, and many of you probably have already read some of her books. And I'm probably just late to the ministry, but she's written She is Free, Fake or Follower. And now today she just released a book recently called Friendship. It's complicated. And we all know if you have been alive for more than a day, you know that life can be complicated. Why? Because people are sinful. We are sinful and we are all going to make mistakes that possibly offend someone or someone offends us. But thankfully, we have a resource now that helps us build godly friendships. Um, you know, and Andy is also a podcaster. You know, we have love for our podcasters. It's called Coffee with Andy, right? Mm -hmm. yep, yeah. That's so right. Coffee with Andy, check that out. Pastor of Liberty Church with her husband, Paul. Um, you know, so doing great things in their side of the kingdom in Brooklyn, you know, where, you know, they, they could take the mean streets of Brooklyn. I'll stay in sunny Florida. Uh, but, <laughs> but yeah, so thank you for joining us. And today, you know, I want to talk to us. Um, I want to want you to dive into friendships with our community, because a lot of us, I think we're having a hard time build, dealing with, 
you know, biblical friendships, you know? So mm-hmm. before we, before I start questioning and, you know, pick, picking your brain, is there anything you'd like to say or tell us about yourself or anything, you know, other than being an awesome dancer? Yeah, yeah obviously. Other than that. <laughs> um, I mean, one of the fun things is that I have four kids in Brooklyn. So we've got four amazing humans, 16, how old are they? Gosh, 16, 14, 13. Those three, I had real quick. I had three kids under the age of three. Um, oh, and that was when I had like a little bit of a nervous breakdown, not going to lie to you, wrote my first book out of that. Um, <laughs> and then uh, we had one son, the first three were born in Australia, but we've lived in New York for 11 years. And we had one Brooklyn born child. His name is Sam. And he is the only one that can be the president of the United States. So, um, but that is not his goal. And I'm okay with that because I think it'd be a really difficult job. Uh, but yeah, we live here and um, it's been, it's been good. Interesting pastoring here, living here over the last couple of years, but we're still here. <laughs> yeah. So Andy, sorry. So now we're going to pick your brain. You wrote a book called Friendship. It's complicated. I know myself, this is a blessing to have because I myself have been a difficult friend, I can honestly say, and I know some people that I found very difficult, but we do understand that God is not calling us to easy relationships. He's calling us to relationships that helps mold us into the image of God. And we're also help building other people, you know, to get closer towards God. So in your eyes, what do you consider a biblical friendship or how do you just define friendship in general? How does that look? Well, gosh, um, I think let's just start with Jesus. And I know that sounds very over the top to just go there, but I think what has this last couple of years shown us? Like it's been difficult. John 10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. Jesus has come to give life and life abundantly. I have noticed the assignment of the enemy has been to steal, destroy, deceive, polarize over the last couple of years. But when we look at Jesus and what he's come to bring life and life abundantly, obviously when we look at his example, even in friendship and relationship, if Jesus is the way, the truth and the life, and we're meant to follow in his way, he is the truth and what that we are looking for. He's the life we're longing to live and, and walk in. Then even how he did relationship matters. And Jesus had circles. He had his three that he was very close to. He had the 12 that he was on mission with, and he had the 72 that he sent out. And then there were the multitudes that he was around. If we all look at our world, we've got to look at what has been reinforced over the last couple of years, isolation, that when, I mean, and Proverbs tells us he who isolates himself rages against all wise judgment. We actually become fools when we isolate. And so when we do that, you're right when you're alone, like I'm right all the time when I'm alone, but when you're around other people, healthy friendship is the wounds of a friend. Look, I'll take that any day, as long as it will cause me to become more like Christ. And I think we just, we've lost the gift of knowing how to do relationship and friendship and community well, um, because it's difficult and it's messy and people make us angry. And that means that we have to forgive and become more like Christ. (laughs) So yeah. Definitely true. I like the point. I like the point that you just said when you said we're always right when we're alone. And mm-hmm. I think I think that's so that's so key because <laughs> like Proverbs says, the way in a man's eyes, they're always right. You know, we oh, always yeah. assume that we're right. So we see society and culture pushing a narrative that if you disagree with someone, mm-hmm. you hate them. It's not mm-hmm. that you don't support their lifestyle, but simply not showing support or affirming someone lets them know that I hate you or I'm considered, we get all the words that they use, bigot and mm-hmm. you know, leftist, rightist, whatever they, right. you know, the politics, it's like, like you mentioned the last couple of years has been a huge divide, but how does, how, how does that, I guess I should say, how should, how do we as believers prevent that from creeping into the church? Because if we're honest, mm. many churches have been becoming divided you know, now it's becoming more of a white church, black church, 
You don't understand yep. what I'm going through. And we saw a lot of, I noticed a lot of this since, and I'm not trying to, I'm sorry if I'm offending someone and getting political, but I'm, since I the love it. Floyd thing, you know, it's a lot mm-hmm. of, you know, well, black people are leaving churches led by white people and they're claiming, you don't know what I'm going through. And you, it's like, how, how do we avoid this temptation to, to, cause it's easy to be divided. So how do we avoid that temptation to simply say, well, if you don't view it my way, you're wrong. How do we yeah. choose unity in the midst of all of this chaos? Well, first of all, I think one of the things we have to do is we need to get off our phones and get into real relationship with another human being. Part of the problem is in um, the polarization, if you will, of everything that's taken place is we're on our phones too much, having conversations, fighting with people that we're never going to be in relationship with. So what does your friendship circle look like? Do you have actually people that are different than you? Do you sit at a table with someone else who does have a different experience with you? Or is it a homogenous zone when you look at your friendships? Because I think that's part of the problem. Um, even for us, I, I think about first Corinthians 12, it's probably one of my favorite passages of scripture, um, in the Bible, because it talks about how we are one body, many different parts. I don't know where we got the idea that everyone is the big pointer finger or the big toe, and we all need to look exactly the same. I don't really understand where we, where we got to this point where if you disagree with me, it means divorce. It means that you're cut off. If I did that with my husband, we would not be together anymore because we disagree all the time. I have four children who couldn't be more different. And I think part of the gift for me as being, I feel like I'm getting old now. Like I'm, I'm not that old, but I'm in my early forties and I am a mother to a lot of the kids that are now in my church that are in their early twenties. Like they could be my kid. And so now I look at them very differently because with my four children, four totally different personalities, And I want them to be who they're created to be. We have dismissed the fact that the body of Christ is a beautiful mosaic of different people. And we don't know how to sit at the table anymore with people who disagree with us. Disagreement does not have to mean divorce as long as Jesus is at the center of the table. And also we, we are really bad at holding space for other people. We don't need to... uh, I mean, for me, I, over these last couple of years, since, um, since George Floyd, well, actually it's been like the whole time I've been pastoring in New York, but I have got really good at listening and learning and not, I don't always have to say something. I don't always know. And I think, why do we feel like we have to justify ourselves? Like who is the one that justifies us? Jesus Christ does. First of all, we need to st- like, honestly, we all have pride problems. That's the problem here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and I know a lot of people, when they read a scripture that says the you know money is the root of all evil, you know, I think I think a lot of people really think you know loving money is the reason why someone does X Y Z, and I think we take that verse out of context because if we honestly think about it, pride is really at the root of most of our issues because yes. pride is the reason why I'm so hungry for money. Pride mm-hmm. is the reason why I feel as though I know how to do what I want to do with my sexuality rather than listen to God. Yes. Pride is the, you know, pride is literally what's guiding a lot of us. And like you said, like sometimes we don't need a response, you know, we don't have to <laughs> say something. We can just simply listen in and mm-hmm. honestly look at something. We disagree with it and let it pass by in order to love <laughs> our neighbor. I think yes. people have lost that art to simply huh? see Zip a post it. I don't agree with. You know, there are plenty of times when I see something and I'll rather mute your account rather than comment back to you knowing yes. it's not going to be fruitful, you know? So I think that's definitely something we all need to take a little bit of introspection on because like, like the Bible says, you know, a king, Jesus lets us know that a, a kingdom divided against itself is not going to stand. Mm. And he's letting the people that's supposed to be following him, let that, let them know, because the enemy is not divided. 
They're, they're united in destroying. <laughs> yes, the they are. They're united in destroying the family hierarchy and how God designed it. They are united mm. in all of the attacks against what we believe. You know, so definitely we have to get back to unity in the church. So I, I'll ask you this because you mentioned a few things in your book um, in regards to boundaries and friendships. How do you believe that we should create boundaries in our friendships? And we'll probably dive deeper in like maybe opposite sex and, uh, and all those things mm-hmm. a little bit further. But as of right now, how do you, in your opinion, establish, um, you know, biblical boundaries and friendships? Yeah. So first of all, I would say to anybody that's listening, just get like the guys who wrote the book literally on it, Dr. Cloud and Townsend, like any of their books, like they, if you, if you want healthy relationships, boundaries, necessary endings, um, uh, safe people, like the, they're great books, but let me just read to you a little something out of my book. I said this in essence, a boundary is a definitive line that defines who owns controls and is responsible for something fences on property lines exist for a reason to let each owner know what they need to take care of on the plot of land that they own, but not to cross into the territory where they have no ownership or jurisdiction. I think first of all, boundaries are first and foremost about you. Um, and when you think about even your most fundamental boundary, it's your skin. Like you are made um, to have this boundary that if that's violated, whether you're a child or an adult, like you know that someone crossed your boundary. Right. And so that's something we have to understand. Boundaries are God given. He made us um, in his own image. And we have got something, we, we have this identity. The other thing is this is, I think when it comes to boundaries, we have to know what we own and what we don't own. A lot of times in relationships, if there's codependency, um, if it's an unhealthy relationships, unhealthy relationship, we'll easily carry somebody else's issues for them. Picture that boundary line that I was talking about. Imagine two houses next to each other with a fence in between. If you have a neighbor that keeps knocking down your fence and saying, this is mine, or I need you to take care of this part of my lawn for me, you'd be like, no, you own that. Right. And I think when it comes to any relationship, we have to understand that our heart issues, nobody else can take care of that for us. We can't stand before we're going to all stand before God at the end of our lives. When we breathe our last breath and I can't go, it was my mom and dad's fault. It was their fault that I was a bitter, angry old woman. No, I am responsible for my own heart. That boundary is there for me to take responsibility for it. I want to read something else to you. And this is, this goes for any type of relationship too. This is super simple. My husband preached this and I put it into um, my book as well, but just three things that I want to share with you that boundaries do for us. Boundaries, um, number one are about valuing others and ourselves. When we practice healthy boundaries, we are empowered to build relationships grounded in love. Number two, boundaries inform us. If someone crosses uh, one of my boundaries, the world doesn't fall apart, but it is as though a warning light appears on my dash. It's information. And number three, boundaries protect us. We are each called to guard our hearts. So that includes our values, thoughts, feelings, passions, sins, weaknesses, history, and strengths. So those are just, that's a very simple way of breaking down boundaries. I mean, there's so much content on this anywhere and everywhere, but I think even in my own marriage, I need to own my own issues. When my kids um, try to care, they see that I'm not doing well, or they're like, mom, is there anything we can do? I say, no, my issues are my issues. They're not for you to fix. They're not for you to carry. Mama's got this with Jesus. And I'm talking to dad, like we're good. And so I think we have to get good at boundaries. And if you've got someone in your world that keeps 
literally knocking down the fence into your world and do, does not respect your boundaries. That is, that is a warning light for you. You need yeah. to go, this is probably not someone that I'm going to be vulnerable with, that I'm not going to trust. And so we've got to pay attention to that. Yeah. So it is a dating podcast. So I'm going to dive a little bit <laughs> there. Yeah. So when it comes to creating boundaries in our relationships, number one, how do we create that in, with the person that you're currently dating? Obviously the church is going to say, don't have sex before you get married. What does that look like? You know what I mean? Like, cause it's more to that. Obviously all the young people are, I'm sorry for all the pastors that are listening, but the young people <laughs> are, are experimenting in ways that we did not realize. So how do we create those boundaries <laughs> in the relationships with the person that you're currently dating? That's the first part I'll, I'll ask you about. Yeah, let's start there. Well, I think, I think first you got to start with open and honest communication. Uh, I love Preston Sprinkle. He talks about sexual integrity and having sexual integrity is really, really important. This is something I'm walking through all of this with my kids having a 16 year old. He's got a girlfriend already. I mean, I love her. She's amazing. Thank you. Um, And and she's phenomenal and I love her, but I'm not a fool. Hi, they can access porn. They can access anything they want to like all the time. So anyway, I think what you have to do first and foremost is if you are genuinely dating each other, um, is you have to have spoken expectations because I think what we do is a lot of times we step into any relationship, but when you're dating and hello, when you're young, you were made to have sex. Okay. So we have to be aware of that, but to have sexual integrity and become one with somebody when you're married and in covenant is really important. So you have to dive deep and understand this first and foremost, but I would say have spoken expectations. Me as a woman stepping into a relationship with my now husband, I was very clear on what my boundaries were, what sexual integrity looked like to me. And, um, and what, and I think if you don't speak those expectations, guess what? your body is going to want to do a lot of things. So you just have to clearly communicate on those things. And also I would say, have someone in your world that you, um, you are accountable to. I want to say this, you are as accountable as you want to be. Do not expect that person to ask you 20 questions, actually be an authentic human being and share with them where you're at. If you're like, Oh, I want to jump the bones of my boyfriend. I want to look at porn right now. I want to a, B and C you actually choose how accountable you want to be. The Holy spirit will convict you. You don't actually need somebody to do that. You need to be able to be open with somebody about where you're really at. That isn't Mm -hmm. your boyfriend or your girlfriend that you're dating. Um, I feel like I was going to say something else, but I totally forgot if you want to bounce off that and (laughs) look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating all the must not take yourself too seriously. And six, one, since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. If, you're, if you remember, just go ahead and say something. But I love um, two points that you just mentioned there in regards to you're as accountable as you want to be. And I think that's mm-hmm. so important because... I think it's like we're waiting on someone. Hey, did you do this today? Hey, did you do that today? And it's like, that's not accountability. That's not accountability at all, because that's literally them being a prison warden. When in reality, being accountable is be saying like, like you mentioned, hey, this is where I'm at. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, but I know you probably didn't want to hear this, but <laughs> I'm in the mood to do X, Y, Z. Like, pray with me, you know, tell them, you know, I just need someone to, to redirect my mind because my mind is drifting. 
that's when you're letting someone know like, hey, I'm trying to honor God, you know, keep me on pace, you know, keep me on track. You know what I mean? That shows that you're really desiring to please God because I think a lot of times mm -hmm. people avoid accountability because they simply view it as a set of rules when in reality is not a set of rules. Christianity is not a to-do list. Whereas mm -mm. if you just follow all these things and hey, great, then you're pleasing God. But I like the also the, the part that you mentioned just in regards to having spoken expectations because if you never speak it, you can never assume that they're on the same page with you. And there are a lot of people that are currently in your mind, you're dating someone. And in their mind, they're probably not that into you because you've mm -hmm. never had that actual conversation. Yeah. Or I've had a lot of, um, mainly women, they'll message this, but they're just like, why is it that the guys that I'm talking to keep wanting sex? And, you know, these are guys that are in church. And I'm like, did you guys have that conversation prior that, mm -hmm. you know, before this, this, this relationship escalated? And I'm just like, no, I didn't. I just assumed we, listen, we can assume if we want, but in mm -hmm. reality, common sense isn't always common, especially when <laughs> hormones are involved, you know? So we have to, we have to be willing to be honest with ourselves because your emotions are going to lead you astray if you don't, if you obviously aren't being led by the Holy Spirit, you know? So it's definitely important that we, we make that clear because no one can go like, like perfect example is Joseph when he runs away from Potiphar's wife. Mm -hmm. and he's like, how can I do this wicked thing and sin against God? His, you know, his response is like, I've already made up in my mind. I'm not going to sin against God before mm -hmm. you know this attractive woman because i'm sure she was attractive besides the hit on him you know but if he never made up in his heart that he was going to honor god he could have done it behind closed doors no one would have known he would have never been sent into prison you know and life goes on but god would have known you know but he made up in his mind hey i'm not going to do something like this and it's evil when god has already been blessing me i'm not going to make a decision like that which shows that we have to have our expectations clear and our boundaries you know and our 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 decision you know, it should be in alignment. We should be focused on one thing prior to a situation arising. But yeah. can I say one more thing ahead, on those two things? So I think when it comes to accountability to you, it like just came up into my head. I think for us, when, when we choose to be accountable, that's where we grow in maturity. It's immature, actually. It's a, it, it lacks maturity for us to believe that somebody else is going to do the work for us. Mm -hmm. And that was the one thing that I wanted to say is that I, I too, I'm in a celebrate recovery group with a group of other pastors. Um, and we are doing the work together. Our group text is called, we do the work because we understand that we're responsible to do the work, to be accountable, to go first. And so I think that was, those are really the two things I wanted to say is to, to grow in maturity, you actually have to do the work. And, and I I think too, I love what you said about Joseph, because I think that's so paramount. If our hearts remain tender before God, we're really, truly just going to want to please him. We're going to be the ones that are repenting first, that are confessing, that are coming forward. We're not going to be waiting for somebody else. We're not going to try to hide it because we are so, our hearts are already laid bare before God. Right, right. So true. So true. So for the people that aren't looking to create boundaries in their dating relationship, because they've already you know, got that situated or they're not currently in a relationship, there are still some people that need this book because they are in friendships that are toxic. You know, mm -hmm. to be honest, some of us may have family members that are toxic and it's not like you can simply just avoid like that. That's not yeah. a response to dealing with to toxic, you know, relationships. So how do we create, you know, bound? Well, I won't say how do we create boundaries in a, in a friendship or family, but how do you heal from a toxic friendship? I guess that's a better way to put it. When someone's great, they've already been there. How do they heal from that situation? Yeah. I think there's a couple of things that I would say. Um, I mean, this book really came out of me realizing some cyclical issues that I had in myself 
first. And um, I felt like the Holy Spirit said to me, Hey, Andy, you're the common denominator in every relationship you're in. And that was, again, that's an ownership. That's a maturity call that the Holy Spirit was calling me out going, yes, these people have hurt you, but also there's an ownership that you can take to heal in and of yourself and then create healthy boundaries. So for me, I mean, what I would say to people that are trying to figure out how to heal from toxic relationships, or maybe it is family stuff too, because it can go all over the gamut is Mm -hmm. you do have to go back to move forward. And when I say that, what I mean is you've got to go back to a space and a place where Jesus can heal you so that you can move through it. Um, A lot of times what we want to do is we want to set up camp in our pain or wounding instead of healing from it. And when I went away to two weeks of therapy, I'm just going to give you something for free. They gave me this progression that has deeply changed my life. Um, and, and then I'll talk about also the healing part with other people, but what we've got to do is they, they showed me this progression and it starts with wounding. So we all have a wound. We've all been wounded in some way, shape or form because we're human beings on planet earth. But when we walk in wounding, whether that was yesterday in a friendship with a family member, when we're children, whenever it is, that's when the enemy comes in and he loves to lie to us. He lies to us about that wound. Jesus is also there to tell us the truth, but there's that wounding that comes in. And then a lie comes in from that lie. We start to create a false belief system from that false belief system. We start making choices and, and living our lives. And we build a stronghold around ourselves. I know every single one of us have a different vice. So Jesus is our strong tower. He is our shelter. He is our shield. He's the one we're meant to run to, but often because we have been wounded, we believe a lie. And then we operate from a false belief system. We build the shield around ourselves and we build a strong stronghold around ourselves, whether that's with anger, control, isolation, manipulation to protect ourselves. And from behind that little shielded place, we start to make vows vows that are like, I will never trust another man again. I will never trust the church again. I will never trust a family member again. I will never. And then from there, we actually live from a false self. And so we present to the world what we, what we think they want to see, but God wants to unwind that. And we can sit in our own time, in our own space and place. And this is how we can walk in healing and be around even toxic people. And we still know who we are as we go to that place in the quiet space with God, where we are wounded and we go, what is the lie that I believe there? Can you tell me the truth? And then from that place, it's like, okay, what's the false belief system I've been living by? Can you tell me the truth there? Write it down. And what have I been protecting myself with? Repent, repent of it, repent of your anger, repent of your control, whatever it is. And then renounce the vows that you've said that I will never, because you never know, God may have a husband, a wife for you, somebody that a friend for you, but you have said, I'm not going to trust anybody. And then you'll find that you're living from your true identity in that where there has been wounding where, and that's how you walk through healing on a daily basis. I use that thing all the time, (laughs) that progression all the time. And then you start to figure out like, what are healthy relationships that I want to have? You'll find you're not even going to step into unhealthy relationships. When you go to Thanksgiving or Christmas stuff that used to bother you, you'll just like not enter into you'll ignore it rolls off your back. It's different. Yeah, I I like what you mentioned there, because I think it's very easy for us to, like you said, to camp in it, whereas Mm -hmm. God is not, God is not surprised if your feelings are hurt, God is not, (laughs) you know, you know, and I'm not saying, you know, he doesn't care, but I'm, I'm, God is well aware, you know, he mentions that offenses are going to come, you know, it just woe to the ones who are causing these offenses, but it's the fact that you mentioned something that made me think of Proverbs 18 and 19, this Mm -hmm. says a brother offended is harder to be one than a strong city, and their contentions like the bars of a castle, which means if someone is offended, literally they've shut down so much that it cannot receive love. They cannot 
They cannot be who God has called them to be because the Bible says they're harder to be one than going to war, meaning it's easier to go to war, like going to Iraq, go <laughs> deal with Afghanistan, go deal with some type of any type of war. It's easier to do that than it is mm-hmm. to deal with somebody who's offended and choose to stay there. You know what I mean? And it's like, we, we don't want to admit that's what the case is. But like, even when Jesus, um, you know, John is, John is the one who's at the baptism. He's like, you know, behold the lamb of God. He knows exactly who Jesus is. The moment he, the moment he sees him, it's just like, there must be something. And then it's clear, you know, after the encounter that this is, you know, this is who exactly who he believes it is. Mm-hmm. But the problem is he gets into prison and he's like, well, is this really, you know, the one that we're supposed to believe in? And Jesus is like, hey, go tell John the lame, the lame are walking, the blind receive their sight. You know, <laughs> miracles are happening and blessed is the one who is not offended in me. Meaning I'm not running to every pity party. You have to understand that. And, and you know, I, and I know, I know, listen, guys, don't click off because Andy's the one that's going to do, you know, all of the damage control. But I'm just letting you know, when we, God will, God will allow you to be offended. He will allow you to, to allow mm-hmm. that wound to sit in, but he's not going to allow you to stay there. God wants you to be healed from it. I mean, I think a lot mm-hmm. of, a lot of times we have to understand that, yes, we would love if, you know, he just steps in, but God spoke to Elijah and he's just like, what do you mean? You're the only one. Like, you're not the <laughs> only one. You're not the only prophet. There's so many prophets that haven't bowed the bell. Don't let Jezebel lie to you. You know what I mean? It's so easy. Like that's the lies of the enemy. The moment mm-hmm. hard times come, we easily think you're the only one experiencing this. Mm-hmm. That's not the truth. You know, so we have to understand that God is with us in every situation. Mm-hmm. You know, Psalms 46 and one is like, God is a present help in trouble. And I think a lot of times as believers, we think God is a present help from trouble. We, we think he's, he's trying to, where, you know, <laughs> if God loves you so much, you should never have to deal with anything, but that's not the reality. That's not true. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I love the fact that you mentioned that because it's important for us to understand that even in our families, you know, in our toxic friendships, that God is still there. He still has a purpose for all of it. You know, so I guess I should ask you this then, because um, a lot of people, they're, they're understanding that, but I know it's difficult to ever trust again. But I want people to understand that in order to love, in order to be loved, you have to be vulnerable. So yeah. how do we know when re- there are relationships that one should be reconciled, even though you probably may have had a wound or relationships that you should simply avoid? And obviously it may be a pattern or whatever. So what, what are some indicators when someone should either be reconciled in a relationship or in a friendship or to simply avoid that person totally? Like, Yeah, that's the- great. So I would say when you know that you can reconcile a relationship, even if, even if that reconciliation doesn't mean that you're going to be best friends forever, you're not going to hang out all the time, but it's healthy to reconcile it. You can do it in person, have an actual conversation. There's got to be reciprocity and desire for that. I think a lot of times what we have to understand, and I think this is the most painful part about any sort of reconciliation is sometimes there are people that will not want to reconcile with you, will not want to have the conversation with you. And that is where you're going to have to walk through the process of grief. So for me, like, I mean, in chapter one, I talk about my mom and the woman wound and all of that stuff. I have had the opportunity because she wants to reconcile and I want to reconcile that we get to walk in healing together and we have constant and continued conversations about that. But I understand that that's not the case for everybody that's listening, that you are going to be wounded and hurt by somebody and they're never going to want to talk to you again, or they passed away or, you know, 
you know, fill in the blank, you know what your story is. So that's where you have to reconcile things with God and then forgive and let go. But if there is reciprocity and a willingness to have a conversation, even if it's difficult, I would always encourage peacemaking, not peacekeeping because peacemaking is difficult. It's when you have yeah. a difficult conversation, you take thing, everything out from underneath the carpet, you face it, you forgive and you walk forward. Um, and then when it's not healthy um, to to walk in reconciliation with someone. Like I said, you can always reconcile things with God, but it may be that you need to let somebody go. And I would say for me, the biggest indicator of that has always been when someone is not willing to own their side of the fence, if you will, they're not willing to own their stuff. They're just constantly throwing their junk into your yard saying, you own that, you carry that. That's not safe. And you're not going to be able to really walk in relationship there in, in a deep way. So now for some of you listening, that may be your mom or dad or your brother or your sister. And that's difficult because you are going to see them at Thanksgiving and Christmas or whatever it is, or a family dinner. So those are the times where, again, you just have to know emotionally what your boundaries are and what you're willing to share. You use the word vulnerability. I think that's really important. My friend, Irene Rollins, who is honestly been someone who has deeply changed my life, um, she says to me, and she said to me this one time and it stuck with me. She said, Andy, you need to learn to be authentic with the many and vulnerable with a few. So we have to be our true self with the many that's like just walking in your God-given identity. So doing the healing, doing the work to know who you authentically are and show up at the table and not try to like be somebody else, but to be vulnerable with a few, like that's where you let your guard down. And it's like, Hey, I, even with Irene, I would say eight months ago, I went through a really difficult time. And when I talked to my husband, he said, you need to share that with Irene. She needs to know all of this. So that was the moment when it was like the ugly, the scary, the, I'm going to share this with you because I, I need to be accountable, Yeah. but also like you get to have this part of me that, um, because I trust you and you're doing the work in your own life. And so I think that, uh, those are the sorts of things that we have to look for reciprocity. If you can, if you can reconcile, if not reconcile before God and let them go and are, is the person in the relationship willing to own their side of things? You might only find out when you have a conversation with them and then you'll be like, okay, noted <laughs> and be able to figure <laughs> yeah. that out as you move forward. Yeah, definitely true. <laughs> um, there's been times when I've honestly tried to apologize to people and it was an epic fail. Um, <laughs> You know, I'm just like, this is not, this is not helpful. So I'm just going to go ahead and pray for you. I'm sorry. I, I try to do my part, but I think it's necessary that we, we at least try to do our part. Like Jesus said that, you know, if you know, you're at the altar and your brother has, you know, all against you, mm-hmm. you know, it's up to us to not simply wait on them to reach out, but it's important. He says to leave your gift at the altar. Mm-hmm. And I think many of us in church culture, we've made it our custom to dance around our, our issues in church. We don't mm-hmm. apologize, but we speak in tongues. We, we run, jump, <laughs> shout, and clap, and do all of the above, but we know there's someone sitting three rows over we've offended, and we're trying our hardest not to hold that conversation, but it's necessary. I think that's an actual way of showing more worship to God than everything else we're doing, you know? So mm-hmm. it's important, you know, that we aim for that. And another question I was going to ask, um, I was going to wrap it up there. You kind of answered it. I just want to know, in your opinion, is closure necessary then, you know, because like you mentioned, obviously there are times when people are, you know, for it or against it, but that's what I want, really want to know. In your opinion, should we always seek after closure or do you think there are some times when, uh, I don't know, maybe too much time has elapsed and you're just like, I'll just leave it alone. What are your, what are your thoughts? I do. I think it's both. And I think what you just said, it's discernment and wisdom to know 
what the time calls for. I mean, speaking even from personal experience, I, I got up super early this morning. It doesn't always happen, but you know, when you're wide, I was wide awake. I mean, you may not cause you have little, little guys right now, <laughs> but, but I was wide awake and just had like the longest time of prayer, which doesn't always happen. I'm not trying to sound super like this happens every day, but, um, as I sat there and I was going through just like that inventory of letting things go. Um, I, I just looked at how many people have left our lives. And there's been over the last two years, yeah. like so, I mean, I think someone said the population of San Francisco has left New York. Our church has turned over. Like we have so many new people, but so many people just left and never said goodbye. And people yeah. are so people that I thought were lifers are gone, you know, and, and there wasn't actually a reconciliation conversation. There wasn't like a, did anything go wrong? Did we do something wrong? There wasn't the opportunity for that. So really what I would say, it's the discernment to know because in some of those, I just had to actually walk through the grieving process, love them, pray for them and hope that there wasn't anything they didn't bring up. Cause I'm the sort of person I'm like, put it on the table. What did I do? Do I need to ask for your forgiveness? Um, and not everybody wants to do that. So I think it's, yeah, the discernment to know the difference, especially if you're the person that loves to have a conversation and you keep going for it and they're ignoring you, you may just need to like, let it go. So it's both. And I would say. I, I mean, that's, I mean, just from experience, yeah. that's been, I think, what does it say? And I'm going to blank on what the reference is, but in it, if it's in our power to make peace, then we should do it. So anything that we can do to bring peace to a situation, do it. But if it's not, if it's not reciprocated, there's nothing you can do about that. So this is, this probably has nothing to do with anyone listening, but you just gave me a thought um, in regards mm-hmm. to all of the leaders, because uh, uh, Obviously, as I mentioned in the beginning, you all are pastoring. What happens when you're a leader um, or what's your encouragement to the leaders that are out there that people are leaving their church? And I think it's easy for us to just leave and we're like, ah, we're not being served here. Or we found another Mm -hmm. job where we moved. Many people don't take into consideration the hurt that probably goes on into leadership's eyes. Mm -hmm. So I guess I know you've experienced it, you know, and I don't know if it's something that's bothering you now, but what's your encouragement to to the pastors and ministers that's going through it now, whereas you feel as though you invested so much mm-hmm. for someone just to leave, you know? Yeah. Oh you know. man. Did you hear that? Can you hear the honking? Welcome to New York. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, for me, yes, that this has been, like I said, a couple years of like extreme grief for me personally, what I would encourage any pastors or leaders uh, that are listening to this, that you feel like you've literally given your life, you've sowed everything, you've moved your children, you've poured it out and you have people that are leaving left, right, and center. Some that read, they, some people just write really mean notes and tell you why other people just disappear and ghost you. Um, it depends on what it is, but I would say to those that are, that are listening, you do need to find a, probably a group of other pastors, not that you can like be super negative with, but realize that you're not alone, that being in the, in, on the front line, it just is what it is. You're going to get shot at. You're going to get hurt. You're going to get wounded, but you have to choose to heal and continue to lead. So you've got to have your safe spaces. You've got to have genuine friends. Otherwise you're going to do stupid stuff. And, and that's really, really important, but also it's okay to grieve. It's okay. Some of you just need a long vacation, just go on a long vacation and go and rest and enjoy life and be present to the people that are not leaving you and are with you. And so I know that that maybe doesn't sound like, and go check into counseling. Like I did two weeks of an intensive and I tell you what, like I came back a completely different person because of that. So whatever you can do, that's what I would say. 
Yeah, so you guys heard it here. Amazing job. Thank you so much for joining us, guys. If you're listening to the end, I know you are blessed by this. So I'm encouraging you to check out Friendship, It's Complicated. And after you read that, please understand that if you have more room to read and you're a woman, She is Free is mm-hmm. another book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and what's the last one? Fake or Follower. That's the last one. So um, a couple of books I want you guys to check out. I'm going to put the link in the description box for you to t- check out Andy Andrews' um, ministry. But I'm going to leave you with the last words. If you want to say anything or parting words? Gosh, I know. I'm just so grateful for you and what's on your life. I'm like obsessed. So in a very healthy way, I'm going to follow you and your, you and your wife. And I'm so grateful. I also will say too, Faker Follower is a book that it's for men and women as well. So just letting you know that one too, but just thank you. Thanks for having me on here. This is, it's been exciting and wonderful to talk with you. We appreciate you taking the time. So guys, we'll catch you next week. Peace.